0: Welcome back for another week. We're going to learn today, Perek Tet. Our learning is dedicated to Lilo Yenishma, Rivka, Bat Yaakov, Alevi, Lucy, Maya, and Rina D. Our full-year sponsors, Naomi and Yitzhi for a complete, complete refuah for all Cholim, Michelle and Gary Friedman in memory of Hanamalka Bat David, and Refuah Shleimer for Rachel Meryl Hinda Bat Miriam Rivka. A half-year sponsor anonymously, Refuah Shleimer from Menuhah Bat Shashana Chava Devorah, our Spotify sponsor, Anonymously, Rufuah Shleimah, for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael. And in general, we always learn for Rufuah Shleimah, for The Yichai, Ben Aviv, R'kachai, Yabrach, Avikad, Baruch, Olkita, Shimon, Ben Elka, and Shaduchim for all those in need. Okay, so we start off Perak Tet, and Perek Tet is a very strange parak because we seem to be on this straight and proper path. We start with the beginning, and we're introduced to Elkanah and Chanah, Elkan and Khan can have children. And behold, they have Shmuel. Shmuel becomes the future of the Jewish people, except that there's one piece in place that, the, that has to get taken care of first. See, Ali and his family are there, and Ali and, and his family are the problems with the Jewish people. And so what happens is you see the degeneration and the point in which Ali and his family disappear. And then, of course, there's Shmuel and his rise, and that's Perekhet, and Perek Zion, And then, lo and behold, we got to Paraktet, And Paraktet takes us on a complete, complete tangent. And the story that it tells us seems to be very unnecessary. And here it, here it goes There's a man from Binyamin, and his name is Kish. And he is the son of Aviel, the son of Tzuror, the son of Bechorat, the son of Aviyach. And he is Ben Ishimini. He is a Benjaminite. Gibor Chayel. And he is a warrior. He's a strong man. Now, who is this guy? We have Kish and his father is Aviel. That's what we know. And again, we get more and more in his family tree besides that. Okay. Ushmo Shaul. And he has a son, and his name is Shaul. And who is he? Bachur Vatov. He's a young man, and he's good. Mitzulah's David says, He has He's just a refined, good person. And what else do we know about him? No Jewish person is better than him. Could you imagine that? That's like every parent's dream that someone can tell you that their child is the best child there is. And that's exactly what we have here. He is the best of the best. And not only that, but from his shoulders up, he is taller than all the people. Now that's interesting, because I am not very tall. And so someone once told me, good advice is where do we measure Uh, Where do we measure ourselves from? From our neck up, meaning our brains. So he says, okay, my children, myself, they're very short people, but we are, from the neck up, we are taller than most. Okay, that's amazing. But I don't think that's actually what it means. I think here what it means is that he's just really tall. You're talking about the guy that sticks out in the crowd. Everyone else is this height. He is a head above them. Beautiful. So what do we know about him? he lost his donkeys. Like, Kish, Avi Shaul. Kish, the father of Sha'ul, that mikra points out that all of a sudden it turns to Avi Sha'ul. Why does it turn to Avi Sha'ul? It's because now the focus of the story has turned to Sha'ul. His father is just a pawn to make the story happen. But his father lost his donkeys. <inaudible> So he says to him, okay, my son, take one of our servants, and I want you to go find our donkeys. Go find our donkeys. Okay, that's what he's supposed to do. Now, I was excited. I had I assumed that you would find something juicy. Who are these Ne'arim? Who does the Medrash want to attach it to? But I found nothing. If you find something, let me know. But as far as I could tell, he's just one of the boys. There's nothing special about him. And they go out looking for the donkeys. Okay, so what is it that I can tell you? Why do we need to know this story starting with Shaul? Now, of course, most people that are learning this, even if you don't know the story well, you know that Shaul is going to become the king of the Jewish people. And so therefore, you could only imagine that the reason why Shaul is being introduced here is Perek said we want a king. And Perak Ted is saying, wait a second. This guy is the king. He's going to eventually become the king. He's there. Okay. That's amazing. Question is, why do I need all this information? His father, his grandfather, his great grandfather, his great great grandfather, et cetera, et cetera. Why do we need so much information here? So I, I want to share with you an idea by the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel says the following. He says, first off, we have to know that Khazal, Aviel, I'm sorry, this is the Malbim, Aviel Alviel Lo Al Shayam Tov Says the Malbim. Do you know what was so incredible about Aviel? Aviel, his father, Kisha's father, actually had a second name. His name was Nair. Why do they call him Nair? Because what he would do is he would go out into the dark places and he would light up the streets. That was a merit to the Rabbim. Imagine you go out and it's pitch black, it's so hard. And so what does he do? he He turns lights on so the lights the, the dark places are lighter and it's safer. Lahavdil, it's like the stories of the russia Yeshiva. And these people that were so Moser Nefesh that they would come to the yeshiva at five o'clock in the morning, either turn on the thermostat before there was electronic thermostats that you could set the schedule to, or back in the old days, they would put coal in the stove so that this way, or in the boiler, so that this way it would be warm. But someone had to get there at five o'clock in the morning so that by seven o'clock when everybody shows up, it's warm and, and comfortable. Says the Malbim that was aviel aviel lit up dark places, okay so that's amazing, and he says the o toov mi do it is a testament to his character, says the abar ben el ben yamin at the end it says he's a ben yamin theshivhra mi ben onish o ben yamin, lo points out the Abar Benel that Ben Yamin has two names. His father says, Ben Yamin, you are the son of my right hand. But his mother, who's dying as she gives the name, says Ben Oni, he's the son of my affliction, the son of my suffering. Says the Abar Benel, which one does the Pasuk point out? The Pasuk points out that he is a what? He's a Ben Yamin. Why? Because that's the sign of strength. That's a sign of positivity. It's someone who is a warrior and a Elohim. That is, in a in a nutshell, who Aviel is. Now, why does it matter if he's Aviel or Nair? Because we are going to meet in just a few prakim the general of the Jewish people, and his name is Avner, Avner Ben Nair, Avner Ben Nair. Who does Shaul hire? To be his general, his uncle Avner, Avner, who is the son of Nair Nair, which is Aviel, Aviel is the son, the son, the father of Kish. Okay, so why do we have all this? Why do I need to know all this? So perhaps the essence of this story is, um, I just want to tell you that Shul has great lineage. He comes from good people. He's not just another guy. But he's someone special. But we're still stuck with the question: Why do we need the story now? Shaul, this tall guy who, who's looking for his donkeys. I don't know. It's a little. It's a little weird. One last point on Shaul says that that mikra Shaul inyan Hashem who nishal Hashem. It comes from the idea that he is borrowed from God. It's both. I asked God for this, and he gives to God. It's a give and take. Shmuel is borrowed from God, but he's also he was, he's in service of God. That perhaps is the beauty of Sha'ul. He's in the same boat. But we still don't really have a good answer. Why do I need this story? So again... Is his grandfather Aviel or Nair? That is a important question. Um, and so, again, we we quote the idea that the Vayikra Rabbah, which was quoted also, we, we discussed briefly in the Malbim, the idea is that Aviel and Nair is the same person. He's just a person that, that's a good guy. He's out there to serve and to help the community. That is who we're talking about. Okay, so shall comes some good stock. So, but he's got to find the donkeys first, because that's really more important to our story. So what happens is dad says, go look for the donkeys. He says, fine. No problem, dad. I'm on it. He leaves Harafrayim. Now this map, without it, without it, it's going to be really hard to follow along. So for those of you that are, are not looking at it on a computer... I do your best to uh, to understand that. I'm going to try my best to use the the cities of Israel a little bit to give a better sense of where we're going. He starts off in Givah, Givon. That is the area of Givat Shaul, where Shaul is from, which is in the tri- the tribal area of Benjamin. He goes up to Harafrayim. How do you get out to Harafrayim? Probably... The way that they got out to Haraphraim would be on the map. It seems more or less like he's doing this. He's going out Yerushalayim towards what we would use nowadays to go to Maleadumim, and then he's going to swing on the sixty, and he's going to take it um, on this path for a little bit, but he's not going to take it all the way to Shilo. He's going to cut off earlier and go past Balchatsor. Where is he going? By Avorbi Eretz Shalisha. He goes to the land of Shalish. What is Eret Shalisha? So there is, we're going to get to this in a, in a, in a while. Perek Dalid of Malachim Bet, Elisha. He's now very much entrenched as the Navi of the Jewish people. And this guy comes from Shalisha, Baal Shalisha, and he gives him a lot of produce. Shalisha, according to, I believe, the Dat Mikra, is one of the most beautiful and most bountiful areas in Eretz Yisrael. So he goes there. Now, perhaps the reason why he goes there is he says to himself, if I'm a donkey and I'm lost, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to a place that's got good food and good produce. They go to Shalisha. They don't find it. They go to Eretz They go to Eretz Shalim. If you're following on the map, they are heading up north-west. And now they're right smack in the middle in Eretz Shalim, right by Baal Chatzor. And also, it's not there. Yemini, They go all the way up and they come towards Eretz Yemini. And also, they don't find it there either. So now look, they swing down. They swing down and they get to Eretz Suf, and when they get to Eretz Suf, then what happens? Already on their way back down to the area of Benjamin, Shaul says to his now, listen, you know what? Let's go home. My dad is going to be nervous. We've been gone for a while. It's a couple of days already, and dad is going to get nervous. That points out that he says, "Vidaglanu." Why does he say aglanu"? He says he's going to be nervous for us. It's not just that he's going to be nervous for me, his son. Be nervous of both of us. Perhaps in this moment, says Dat Mikra, we see why Shaul is deserving of being the king. Because someone who is going to be the king is someone who has the capacity to make people feel good about themselves. It's not just that the king... Is trying to make himself feel good, but he's turning to this evidence saying, No, you count also. Dad cares about you also. It's not just me that he cares about. Let's go home. Now, we have to ask ourselves a question. If we're looking at Shaul at this moment, is that a positive or a negative? Dad says, I need my donkeys back. Shaul travels. Quite a bit. He's gone probably a few days, many, 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 many miles. It, it's a good, a good run. He's looking for donkeys. It is the proverbial needle in a haystack. He says it's not going to happen. I'm not going to find it. I, I give up. So that, is that man? Can you believe Shaul doesn't have the follow through to to see it to the end to find those donkeys or no? Say, look at the sympathy he has. He's concerned about his dad. He says, I don't want to put my dad through all this suffering. Let's go home. It's a great question. And I think that we have to, we, we have to think about that a little bit more. Because at this moment, I think if you look at it in a vacuum, it seems pretty noble. Why would we continue going? Dad is going to be more nervous about his donkey, about his son missing, than his donkey's missing. But listen to what happens in Pasuk Vav. he Listen, there's a Navi in this city. nichbad. And he is very honorable and very respected. And whatever he says comes true. Atanel chasham, let's go there now. Maybe, maybe, he will be able to tell us our way. Rashi says, what does he mean, tell us our way? He's going to tell us where the donkeys are. And because of that, we'll know where we're supposed to be. And we can go home. So they know that there's a Navi. And they want to go to the Navi. Why? Because hopefully the Navi will be able to help give them direction. Now it's interesting, they don't call it a navi, they call it an ishalokim. Moshe is an ishalokim. It's. You, we're going to see in just a little bit that the word navi was not really used so much yet in regular common speech. By Yomer Sha'ul in Na'arau, Sha'ul says his his young man, we're going to go, What what can I bring this guy? What can we give him? We don't have any money left. We don't even have any bread left. I don't have even a little bit to give him. Not anything. Malbim says, are you kidding me? Do you really think that he's saying, oh, we have no bread left? And what? If they had two slices of bread that had been in their bag for a couple days, they'd be like, here, Navi, we brought you this bread? No. His point is, we don't have any money. Not even enough to buy provisions. So certainly we don't have any money to give him. Now why do they need to give him money? So the Rashi points out, Lo makir shal Shmuel u'savur shay Sahar. didn't know what a Navi was all about. Even though Shmuel did the traveling Navi did. And he went from city to city. Shaw was a good person. He probably didn't have any uh, court cases that needed adjudication. So he was like, all right, leave me alone. I don't need the guy. He never really met Shmuel. So he assumed that what? Shmuel's a Navi. A Navi's going to ask for payment. The, the most similar thing that you could imagine a Navi to them is like, it's uh, similar to like a fortune teller. So what happens to the fortune teller? You go to the fortune teller and you say, what's my fortune? And the fortune teller says, well, for the price of, I will happily give you that information. There's no free ride. So he assumes that there's no free ride. So Vayosef Anar Lanot, the young man answers, the, the lad that he takes with him, the boy that he takes with him answers, Et Shaul Vayomer Kasef. He says, you know, listen, in my hand, I actually have a Reva Shekel Kasef. What does a Reva Shekel Kasef look like? Dat Mikra has actually this weird looking coin it actually looks like a piece of a coin. It doesn't even look like a full coin, which actually the idea of a reva shekel, you know, you could think maybe it's not a full coin. It's like a, a sliver of a coin, but probably a rev shekel is a coin that's a smaller weight. If a shekel is this size, you, know, you can't think about it in like, uh, in coins terms that we, that we're based on, because nowadays, you know, uh, a dime is smaller than a nickel, but it's worth double as much. So it doesn't really work that way. But usually back then it was, a shekel was a shekel weight of silver. So what was it? What well, would be a reva shekel? It'd be a smaller coin. We'll see on the next slide a, a, an amazing picture. They actually found in 2017, they found a reva shekel. It's not a reva shekel from the times of uh, Navi, it's from the second Beit HaMikdash period. It's the only one that existed. Someone found it and it came to America and it was uh, repatriated. And sent back to Israel in some grand scene in 2017. So it's very exciting to get that coin back. But okay, he says, listen, it's as luck would have it, I have a rev shekel in my pocket. We'll give it to him. And I'll tell you the and he's going to give us our, uh, he'll tell us what we need to know. And now the Navi goes on a tangent. It tells us something that you would put in brackets and parentheses. This is not actually part of the story. This is narration Sharing us with, with us this piece. See, in our aposak, it said that they're gonna go to who the isha lookim. The isha will show us the way. There they didn't use the word na'vi at this point in time. Why? Because it was not part and parcel. Actually, the no, idea of a navi did not really exist as a position yet. The shofate was the ultimate position. But if we're going to transition towards a king, the king is a powerful leader. He's not a religious leader the way the, the shofate was supposed to be. There were good kings and bad kings. The Shoftim were all, other than the uh, anti-Shofet, Avi Melech, all the Shoftim were good people. Better or worse, there was obviously varying degrees, but they were all good people whose goal was to lead the Jewish people to do the right thing. The kings were not the same. So introduced was the Navi. The Navi was the person that would come into the palace with no agenda. He's not politically attuned or, or, or connected to anyone. And he can come and say to them, listen, I just want you to know. I just want you to know. That this is my story. And I'm going to tell you what you have to do. That is exactly the purpose of the Navi. So the, the Apostle Ted is coming to tell us that the Navi was originally called the Roeh. Says the Abarbanel in his Akdam he says, I want you to know that sometimes there are going to be places in Panach where something is said that is actually not 100% written by the author of the book. Who wrote Tzevra Shmuel? Shmuel. But obviously this Pasuk seems like it's going, taking place many, many, many years later. So it could be that Yirmiyahu or Ezra, says the Abar El, they came in lots of years later. And inserted this Pasuk just to help us make it make more sense. Again, to us, the idea of calling it a Navi makes perfect sense. We're very familiar and comfortable with that term. But they themselves were not comfortable with that term as of yet. Okay, Pasuk Yod. Vayom HaShoh er L'Naro his young says to his, 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 uh, young, his young servant, Good, you're saying good. Let's go. And they went to the city of the Yishalukim. Now the question is, who's the mover and the shaker? Who is the one that is making everything happen in this story? And it appears that the person that's making everything happen in this story is none other than Benar. It's not Shaul. So we asked the question before. Shaul's insistence of going home. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It sounds like on the one hand, he's super sensitive to his father. Maybe there's a little bit of a problem here. Shaul himself lacks the ability to be decisive. And he lacks the ability to see it through to the end. But the nar sees it through the end. And the nar is the one. He's the mover and the shaker. So what happens in show Aleph? They're going up the city. Remember, In general, the Jewish city was always high up. Why? Because they were always afraid of the enemies. The enemies tended to be stronger and had better armies. So they're up top. But the water is always at the bottom. Why? Because that's how it goes. Water pools at the bottom. To get it to the top takes a lot of work. So what do they do? There's water at the bottom and you're all in the top. So every day the girls have to come down to the well. They see these girls coming to uh draw water. They say, no. Is there a roa here? Now this is introduction of the word roa. We don't know what the word ro is. Roa is the word that they used. Insert navi says Pasuk Tet. So he answers, they answer back. The girls answer back. Yes! Yes! He's here. Thank you. It should end there. Today, amazing! Today, he came to this city. Because there is a korban today on the bama. When you get to the city, you are going to see he's going to before he comes to the bama to eat. Nobody eats until he's there. It's like the rabbi making kiddish on Shabbos at the kiddish. Nobody dares touch anything. Not a morsel of chalvin, a piece of kogel. God forbid, a potato chip or a cookie gets eaten before the rabbi makes kiddush. Why? I don't know. Because that's what we say. It's the Same thing here. It's not until, not until Shmuel the Navi. they don't even say his name. Until the Navi comes and he blesses the karba, nobody will eat. Afterwards, those that are invited are eat with him soon, Oto. Go up because today he is there. All right. They are doing a lot. Why are these girls talking so much? Seems so bizarre. It's a lot, a lot of talking. So Rashi points out, today, Shaul was beautiful. He was such a handsome man. So they keep talking because they're like, he's so dreamy. And the only way that they can keep talking to him and keep seeing him is if. They keep talking. So a simple answer like, he's up there, would have been sufficient. But they would have lo- lost their ability to talk to him. What's interesting is, you can almost picture the scene. Because Paso Giyodal, says, they go up. They go up to the city. And as they're going into the city, Shmuel is going up to the Bama. You, how do they say goodbye to these women? These women are talking, talking, talking. And you can imagine that the conversation probably is, they, they keep it going. You almost could picture Shaul going like this. A head nod. A something. But clearly his interest is going forward. Why do we need this story? Why? Why do, why do I need to know all this stuff? It doesn't seem necessary. So I want to take you back to, first off, I want to start off by saying that there is one thing that I see in Sha'ul in this parak very clearly. Sha'ul is humble. His dad asks him to do something, he does it. Okay, maybe that's not such a great example because a lot of people will, will do what their parents ask them to do. But this Nar, he's advocating, he's suggesting, he's throwing in his two cents. Shaul could say, What are you? What You're just a Nar. You're just my servant. No, we're going home. He accepts and listens to what Shaul, to what the Nar says. And he says, You're right. Your idea is better than mine. There is clearly a great deal of humility in Shaul's personality. And so for that, I think we can comfortably say that is one of the reasons we need this story. The very first king of the Jewish people is going to be someone who is exceedingly humble. But perhaps there's another reason also. Last week, we used a smaller version of this slide. We said, what is Mishpat HaMelech? What are the three qualifications of a king? Simply, not, not too many horses, not too much money, and not a lot of women. Listen to this story so carefully. Bazak or by Alex Israel, they both say the same thing. They absolutely nail it, in my opinion. He's not looking for horses. He doesn't have interest in horses. He has a donkey. Whereas horses represent war. They represent power. A donkey is a humble, quiet animal. Moshe Rabbeinu, in our parsha, how does he get... How does he arrive at in in Mitzrayim? He goes on a, a donkey. How does Avram get to Akedas Yitzchak on a donkey? Mashiach is going to come on a donkey. A donkey represents a simple, a small, and easy, humble animal. That's Shaul. King can't have too much money. They Shaul has no money. He doesn't hold on to any money. Someone that doesn't hold on to any money is a person that doesn't care too much about money. And even is evid. How much does he have? A reva shekel keseh. That is actually a picture of the coin that was repatriated, brought back to Israel in 2017 A from the times of the Ro- revolt against the Roman army. A reva shekel keseh. That's all they got. It's not a lot of money. And the last piece is the women. Can't have a lot of women. Shel doesn't even talk to the women. He's just not interested. He's focused on what he has to do. Why do we need this story? Because the story is actually presenting us with a picture of who our first king is. He has all the qualities to ensure that he's going to be a successful king. Okay. So now the question is, if he's so good, he has all of these things, spoiler alert, he fails. He fails. Shaul is going to fail, Benyamin is going to lose the malucha, and who's going to take over? David HaMelech, Malchut Yehuda. Why is that? Let's look a little bit more in the story. tedva. Hashem Galat Ozen Shmuel, Yom Hashem came to Shmuel he told him the day before. He said, "I want you to know that eight Machar tomorrow at this time, the Eretz a man from Binyamin is going to come. You're going to appoint him as the Nagid. He's going to be the Nagid al-Ami Yisrael. What is a Nagid? A Nagid is a king. It says in Mitzudat Zion, 'L'moshel a ruler.'" An officer. The king is going to be appointed tomorrow. Exactly this time. And what's going to happen? And he's going to save the Jews from the plishtim. Because I know my people are suffering. I know that they're crying out to me. Interesting. Didn't Shmuel beat the plishtim? Seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. Between Perekhet and Perekhet. In Parakhat, what happens? King bad. Here, point the king. It seems like we have a good candidate. In Perekhet, they win. Perek Zion, they win. The Plishtim are off their back. It seems like the Plishtim are back in their faces. What's going on? Barbanel points out that the purpose of the king is very clear, though. You you get a king for one reason and one reason only. He's going to beat the plishtim. It's not for anything else. And Shmuel sees Shaul and Hashem whispers in his ear, that's the guy. Yes! Remember yesterday I told you? That is him. And now imagine this. Oh my gosh, the scene. Shaul comes to Shmuel and he approaches him. He says, "I'm sorry, sir. Can you please tell me where can I find the house of the roe? Where can I find the navi?" Shmuel says to Shaul, "I am the roe." Now the question is a simple question. Simply, where is the roe? The answer is actually a very simple one. I'm the Roe. Therefore, you don't need to look for his house. I'm here. But then he says, He says, I want you to come up with me to the Bama and join me and eat today. And I'm going to send you off in the morning. And I'm going to tell you everything that's in your heart. He didn't ask for anything. He said, I just want to know where's the Roe. And he goes and gives him this whole speech and he's not even done. And the donkeys that you've been seeking for three days that were lost, don't worry about them. They were found. was told, do you know why you haven't found them? It's because they've come home. And who is the most sought out, the most treasured, the most cherished of all of Am Yisrael? It's you and your household. Yeah, I wish you could see that face. What, what's going on here? I just want to know where the Navi's house is. That's it. All I'm asking you is where does the Navi live? And you're telling me, oh, don't worry about it. It's all good and you're going to eat with me and your donkeys are found. That's great. That proves that you're a Navi because you were able to do that. You, I didn't even ask you about my donkeys and you knew my donkeys were found. And then you tell me I'm the most cherished of all of Amysel? What are you talking about? Says Shaul. What are you? I'm from Binyamin. Binyamin has always been one of the smallest of the tribes. If you go back to the to to Chumash and you take a look at the counts of Binyamin, Binyamin is a smaller tribe. There's you talk about Yehuda is a big tribe. Dan is a big tribe. You talk about Binyamin, Binyamin is one of the smaller tribes. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Benjamin was decimated at the end of Shoftim. So therefore, he really is one of the smaller tribes. And on top of that, my family is one of the smallest and least important of all the families. If It sounds a little bit like Gidon, where he's like, what do you want from me? I'm like, you're picking the weakest of the weak and the poorest of the poor Shvatim. You like the, you, you won it. Lottery here. You pick the weakest tribe with the weakest family. Says, Shaul, I'm the same thing. Why are you telling me all these things? He says to him, you know, you're making it sound like I'm this big, important person. And uh, I'm really not. So perhaps what actually Shaul is trying to say, Shaul is, Shmuel rather, is starting to sprinkle clues to him. This is about something much bigger than your donkeys. The path to greatness for which you're about to cross is an important and a big one. Get ready. Get ready. The thing is that he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it at all. And he's like, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. We ask the question, if he's so good, why does he fail? So I want to ask it like this. Throughout the story, we were introduced to Shaul. And Shaul has like these moments where like you get little pieces of his personality. He's exceedingly humble. Or is it that they need to get a backbone? Which one is it? It's possible that it's both. We don't know at this point which one it is, which one it's not. And so therefore we find ourselves in this really interesting place where we start in the very beginning questioning, is Shaul the right person for the job? I don't know. Is he going to be successful? I'm not sure. Does he have all of the characteristics to be successful? Maybe. Probably. He's humble. But maybe he needs a little bit more of a backbone. I, I believe that what we see at the very beginning is we see Shaul. And he is like a dam holding back those waters. But there are cracks. Not little cracks. Foundational cracks in Shaul. The question will be, can he overcome that or not? That's a question we're going to have to watch. We have to watch it very carefully and very closely in the coming Prakim to see what's happening. And so let's, let's continue and finish up the Perek. A nice question to end the Perek with. Pasuk Chaf bet. By Kashmuel Chovet Narova, even the brings them up to the Lishka. To the special place, it's a special room, right? And there's a party there, and he puts them at the head of the table. The there are about 30 people, 30 people that are probably the most special people. Remember, I actually met, I forgot to point this out on the map. They end up in Ramatayim Sofim. Ramatayim Sofim is where it's in Haraphraim, that is the place where Elkana is from, Shmuel's home. It's beautiful. Shmuel has 30 people, and then these two nobodies that nobody's ever seen before, this tall guy and his servant come in, and they get brought to the front of the table. Amazing. The piece that you're going to give to me that I say, give to him. It gives him the best piece, and he says to him. So Barbanel says, this does that this is a leftover piece. He's saying that this is a special designated piece for you. Enjoy it. And he eats that day with Shmuel. They go back to the city. But before they go back, they talk on the roof. The roof, a high place. Interesting. Maybe there's a some sort of allusion here to the fact that he is also a high and important person in that way. Again, does Sheol get it or not? I'm not sure. They go to sleep and get up early in the morning. He calls them up again to the roof. And they send you off. And they go outside. Again, he slowly, slowly, we don't know what they're talking about. But you can imagine that their conversation is probably, again, more sprinkling. So he says to Shaul, tell your servant to go walk ahead of us. And so he sends him ahead. I want you to stay here because I'm going to tell you the word of God. That's the end of the story. We don't know yet that we, Shaul doesn't know yet for sure he's going to be a king. But we know that because God said in Pazek Ted Zion, I'm going to send you this guy. What are you going to make him a You're going to anoint him. He's so going to become the king. The question is, is he a king? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? And and I think that this really goes to the same question we had about the plishtim. The plishtim are making the Jews suffer. The Jews beat them. There seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. Parikh Zayin and picture A. And Parikh our gives a different picture. Which one is the correct picture? So I want to share with you an idea by Rabbi Mordechai Breuer. Rabbi Mordechai Breuer has an idea. He calls it Shitana Bechinot. Rabbi Bezak shares this. But Mordechai Breuer suggests that sometimes you have two stories in Tanakh that are very different. The reason is, they're actually trying to present two different possibilities. uh, An example would be Parag Aleph of Bereshit and Parag Bet. There's Bereshit 1, Bereshit Adam 1, Adam 2, is what Rosalavich calls it. There's two two stories of creation. They're not exactly the same. And sometimes what's actually happening is it's giving us these two different sides to share with us two different perspectives from two different ends. It could be that what's what's happening is per and Chet are from the perspective of amniso. And in that regard, it's not really good. They're not coming from it about it from the right place. Pereget, on the other hand, is coming from the perspective of God. And from God's perspective, it's in a much, much better place. But perhaps we can look at it one last way. Again, within this idea of Shaitara Bichino, Shaitabihino would say that they're looking for two different things. The Jewish people ask for. Hashem says appoint a nagid. Now, a nagid and a melech might be the same thing, but are they really the same thing? Bazak points out that maybe it's like this. A melech is the king with all the trappings of royalty. Put the crown on, he's a really dignified person. He's got his palace. Shmuel warns the people in Paragat. Do you know what you're getting yourselves into? You're going to get this tyrant who's going to take everything away from you. What is a Nagid? A Nagid is a ruler, but how is he a ruler? He's a shepherd also. He's a person that cares. He's a person that takes care of the Jewish people from a very, very, very different place. The idea of Jewish rule is very much an, the idea of a Nagid. We, we very much believe in this shepherd model. Who takes care of these people? We do not believe in the same way in this king model. And so God says, this is okay. This is what I like. This is what I want to see. And so we're going to see as we move into Perek Yod that Shaul is being offered the position. Is he the ideal candidate to the Nagid? He cares of the donkeys. He cares of the people. He's respectful. He does all of those things. And so, there is great potential in Sha'ul. But the whole time, he's that cracked foundation. The dam can still hold the waters back with a cracked foundation. But if the waters get too powerful, and there's a surge, and it bolts through, it's all over. We're going to watch over the next few weeks as Sha'ul develops, what our perspective is on him. I'll leave you with this. When I did this nine years ago or so, and we learned about Shaul the, fir- the last time, I had this conversation with David Barrett and Swirly Furman, and the back and forth was, where is Shaul? And I I was not very positive on him, but I, I believe that David was very positive on him. So feel free to take your take on it, and I've tried very hard to look at these with a fresh perspective. And so maybe after all these years, I'll come around a little bit more to a positive take on Shavuot. Thank you once again for joining us. Have a wonderful week and keep walking in the ways of the prophets.